Welcome to the Dirt to Dollars podcast. Hosted by Central Kentucky Extension Agents, Whitney Carmen, Daniel Carpenter, and Matt Adams. Where we talk everything from the dirt on your land to the dollars in your hand. Welcome back to another week of Dirt to Dollars. Uh, we're here on the week of last week of April. Yeah, April 26th. April 26th. Like Justin Timberlake said, it's going to be May. Be May. (laughs) It's also Derby Week in Kentucky. Yeah, Yeah, and and with Derby Week, uh, a lot of people say the Derby is the unofficial start to gardening season. So we do have a guest today, uh, Robbie Smith, out of the Nelson County Extension Office, will be joining us here a little later to talk gardening. But I guess first, since we're talking Derby, let's go ahead and talk Derby. Uh, do you all do you all enjoy the Derby? That's the only horse race I. Watch. I mean, I'll I'll watch it if it's raining or something. <laughs> I'm I used to like I can remember when I was in elementary school. I loved it because it was like a big thing, like all your activities in elementary. You got school. to make your little stick horse at school yeah, and have that, races, and make your hot air balloon or your mint juleps. My my school made mint juleps. Really? <laughs> See, <laughs> I thought that would have been a Springfield thing. Real mint? It's not yeah. huh. real mint juleps. Not real, okay. real <laughs> no. juleps. Yeah, that probably have been a bad yeah. idea. Yeah. Have you ever had a mint julep? They are not good. Not, I do not like. No, them. no they're not good. They're not but, good. And I like mint. Like if it's mint. I mean, mint is my favorite thing, like mint chocolate chip ice cream or Andy's mints yeah. or peppermint yeah. patties. But me, I'm the same way. I, I, I just can't do a mint julep. Ugh. Well, and I, I've tried them before too, but you have to have, if you're at the Derby or the Derby week, you've at least got to try it and suck it up and, and, and like it for, for one day. You know, it's un-Kentuckian. Y'all ever been to the Derby? I have not. I have not. No, me either. I thought about this year. I was like, you know, this may be the year to go because you wouldn't have a not as many crowd, people, even though it'd still be a lot of people there. But eh, I bet you couldn't thing. get in if you. I bet there was a waiting list five miles long. I don't know. I'd say if you if you wanted to pay, you'd probably go. Yeah, everything's got a price, Matt. Yeah, that's true. Have you have you looked? Have you picked a derby <laughs> horse yet? I don't even have a clue who's running. <laughs> there was one something about midnight. I always like the gray horse. Well, the gray horse is the favorite. I think there's a couple, and maybe one of them's a favorite. Yeah, but don't they never really do very good? No, though? like I think silver. I, I always like them and bet on. I was going to say silver charm. I think was the last one. I like. Uh, it's called Hidden Stash, but it's not for that reason. It's because there is a she's a female mm-hmm. trainer, uh, and it's the first mm-hmm. one in several years at the Derby. So she's I'm kind of rooting. It's a long shot, like a fifty to one. But hey. Stranger things have happened. I'm not. I'm not big on the Derby, and I never really. I mean, I'd kind of like to go, but I, I, I probably never will. Uh, but I do yeah. like going to Keeneland. Yeah. I always enjoyed yeah. that. Spending a, a nice day there. It was always a lot of fun. But, uh, but now I'm yeah. not. Not. Not a big. A little different experience. Right. Yeah. A lot. A lot more low key. Mm-hmm. Looks like it's going to be a beautiful weekend for it. I mean, it's it's pretty sloppy this this week working up to it, but. Well, like that's another reason I'm not here. going because it's rained the last two Saturdays and I got to get some stuff done at home. <laughs> and it's going to be a nice Saturday to do some stuff. Can't be having any horse racing getting in the way of that. Mm-hmm. There's sheep work to be done. There's a there's a to-do list that I got to work on. <laughs> the sheep got taken care of in the rain last yeah. week. I will say that we've got four inches almost in Litchfield. So yesterday, which was Wednesday. 
yeah, southern end of Hardin County. And I think from some maps I saw this morning, southern end of LaRue kind of caught that same track. And mm-hmm. uh, I had three and a quarter inches just yesterday afternoon, and it fell in about an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, it, it came was, a monsoon. Mm-hmm. I saw places washed out that I've never seen washed before. Uh, and I thought that came over kind of central Grayson County as well, the way it looked. It did. It was pretty rough because obviously in our county there you know there's a lot of ditches and streams and waterways and i have to cross a few of them to get home and it was it was slow going there for a while like you said a lot of places that weren't typically flooding area were flooding yesterday my dad and i were texting this morning some rain amounts and stuff and uh we had planted a new field alfalfa on his farm three or four weeks ago so we were kind of cringing at looking at what it looks like after all that water and then he had uh, fixed a bunch of washout ditches from the winter on another farm this week while the weather was pretty and i'm sure all that was for nothing because they're probably all washed back out by now so just the <laughs> joys of springtime some of us were just talking a few days ago about you know the last three or four years it seems like the only rains we've gotten have been like the one that came yesterday afternoon, just three or four inches in an hour. Yeah. But uh, this spring so far hadn't been like that. We've been getting nice, slow, gentle rains. Uh, yeah, apparently that's over. Yeah, well, hope hopefully it's over anyway. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. We were, which was really interesting because I think Daniel was it you that shared a a picture of the U.S. drought uh, monitor images from like 2001 all the way to 2020 and it was really interesting to see the kind of flow of drought through each year kind of scared me because we ain't had one flash through here in a while like we're probably <laughs> I know. doing one i know yeah yeah those those drought monitors have sure been affecting the the markets here lately uh yeah i was gonna say well, we're uh dry in kind of the western corn belt and then i think this recent one's been some of the argentina and brazil drought uh were dry down there and they're in the middle of some of their growing seasons uh had the markets we had some some seven dollar corn bids this week here locally so i didn't think we would see that Mm -hmm. ever yeah Mm -hmm. saw a post i think on facebook a few days ago that was quoting the market a year ago was kind of the low of the, of the cash market at, I think it was three twenty something. And the cash bid that day was like six sixty. So it's amazing mm-hmm. that, you know, corn price double in a year. That's pretty crazy that we can do that. It really is. But it also is a little, you know, everything is cyclic. And so I, I, I guess I just am always concerned with the crash that'll that potentially could happen at some point yep so yeah if you don't tell people to be cautious if you can't use your conservative yield projections and lock in a profit at these prices then something's going on so you probably if you haven't mm-hmm. haven't forward contracted anything it's a I know a lot of people have been bitten the last couple of years in doing that and missed out on some good prices but don't miss out on these mm-hmm. waiting for something better this fall. If you can, if you can lock in a profit and you feel comfortable locking in a percentage of your production, go on and 
uh, look at getting that done or doing something. To Are you some saying don't be greedy? In a, uh, in a roundabout <laughs> way, maybe. <laughs> no, I, I get it. I, that's just, I like you said, just be be cautious of it. It can always happen. Yeah. And with, with a lot of that volatility, uh, we could be experiencing a little more starting next week. Uh, I believe it was late last week. The uh, CME group had announced that they are going to widen their daily price limits uh, for grain starting May the 2nd. So I believe that would be the first trading day of next week, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sunday night. Sunday. Yeah, so that'll go into effect during the night trade on Sunday. So for all trades, that'll basically be implemented on May the 3rd. Uh, kind of what that means, corn futures daily limit's going to move to 40 cents a bushel. Currently it's 25 cents a bushel. Soft red winter wheat in Kansas City, hard red winter wheat futures going to go from 40 cents to 45 cents will be the new limit. Here's the big one, soybeans. That daily limit's going to go to a dollar a bushel. Hmm. Uh, it's current oh, wow. currently seventy cents. So yeah, that that could could get interesting. That could be big, especially in that corn market. Think about it this way: in you know three days, a limit up, you could move the corn market a dollar and twenty cents. Yeah, and that's not just up; that can be down as well. So. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of times farmers we can we complain about the volatility a lot when it goes especially when it goes down but uh, a lot of times your money can be made on volatility so just learn to manage it right if you've got some price targets put them in because they could hit it and be down just that much within just a matter of a few hours we've had some of that happen this week so Speaking of, I think I saw you, how you got some planting done on soybeans, right? No, we were planting corn. You're planting corn. Okay. So we got started some. We've had. Last week, planted a little bit this week. Was it pretty good planting conditions? It was excellent. Yeah, I was going to ask. Excellent. I wouldn't. Okay. I would have liked the soil to have been a little warmer, but you got to start sometime. Yeah. It'd be all right. We had warm weather coming. You'll make up for it. <laughs> but as far as soil moisture goes, it's the best that some of this ground's planted in several years. And I actually was having trouble getting the planter in the ground in some spots. Related mm-hmm. to this, we may talk about this for just a minute, but I don't know how to pronounce this product. X X Y W A Y. Zyway. Zyway. Seems like Zyway. We got an email this week talking about like there may be some issues with emergence. Except, except in Kentucky, it's Zyway. It's Zyway. Zyway. You kind of got to say it all together. Zyway. One syllable. I don't know if, if y'all, <laughs> yeah, I've heard so, people talking about it. I haven't really heard anybody firsthand having an issue with it. They're just saying, oh, I heard people have had issues with it. Um, but I think a lot of it mm-hmm. was just related. I mean, it's mainly just because of the soil conditions. It seems yeah, like. I've had a couple calls about it this week. And basically, it seems like it's all on the stuff that was planted earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily that it was the cool cold soil conditions that made the uh, made the, that delayed the emergence, but it's a combination between that and the product itself. I think mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. we got an email this morning from Dr. Kirsten Wise, who's been on the show with us here. That's a plant pathologist that handles most of the corn pathology and does a lot of the corn fungicide trials and everything 
she's worked with the product for two years and uh, some of her research trials. She said they had demonstrated in those that under cool kind of delayed uh, soil conditions, cool planting, that uh, they have seen delayed emergence in the Zyway treated plots, but uh, compared to the non-treated control, but they didn't see any stand loss. And there has been some rumor out there of some stand loss. I haven't heard it in Kentucky, but I have heard of the delayed emergence deal happening in Kentucky. Uh, I actually have one farmer that planted some, left some strips with the liquid system turned off, said there was several days difference in when it came up. Looked like it was all going to be okay, but it was enough to scare you, and we'll just have to see how it shakes out in the end. Yeah. So yeah, if you're uh, if you've used this product and you've had any problems with it or you're seeing some of this stuff, let us know. Uh, that's one thing Kirsten was asking from us is uh, you know their research they weren't using starter fertilizer. It seems like that might impact it a little bit too. Uh, they weren't using a lot of these other products. They were just running straight that product straight in through the liquid system in furrow. So. Uh, if you've got some of these other scenarios and you're seeing some of this, let us know so maybe we can pass that along to her and uh, she knows what to look for and maybe we can put some links together between some compatibility issues and whatnot. Well, I know you were talking about the temperatures of the soil and we've talked about Derby Week and this all kind of ties into our guest that's going to be joining us because as you and I and all of us know a lot of folks are going to buy plants and start their garden right around this time. So, uh, Matt, do you want to lead us into our next guest? All right. So with us now from the land of bourbon and Bardstown, uh, Nelson County, we have Mr. Robbie Smith. Uh, he is the I'm used to calling you a horticulture agent, but you're not a horticulture agent anymore. You're uh, just a general ag agent, I guess. Right. Well, they've got me slated as a uh, ag and hort. Uh, okay, I got. So, is that a promotion or is that a like? If he moved from hort to ag, is that a is that a promotion? I don't know. <laughs> well, I haven't figured that out yet. And I've been doing it for years. So, <laughs> all right. Well, Robbie, if we're glad to have you with us today, if you don't care, just introduce yourself and okay. let us know a little bit about yourself. Well, I am. I'm. I'm from this area. I. Uh, I've been doing extension, working in extension for about, uh, well, going on 21 years now. Uh, before that, I kind of grew up in the greenhouse business. Um, not a family business, but I started in the greenhouse. Well, Daniel and I probably have that in common, don't we? Yeah, well, we were co-workers there for just a, a little while. And um, at, in the greenhouse business, and I did that for a lot of years. You know, if I had went into extension right out of college, I'd have been retired, but now maybe. <laughs> I, I worked at Bernie's since I was 15 until I was just 30. So I did 15 years there, had a 15 year stint there. Uh, but I grew up in the area. I grew up around uh, Manton, which is the corner of Mary Nelson and Washington counties, uh, kind of God's country, if you will. I grew up with uh, a gardening grandmother who kind of got me interested in, in gardening in general. And, you know, that was facilitated further with being at the greenhouse and around plants and just got interested in it. So what's your, what's your favorite vegetable? Ah, oh, tomato. I like really? tomato. Yeah. That's kind of a, that's it, just, it's that's easy. too easy of an answer. <laughs> I tell you, I, I had something last night that I have never had before. It's sumac. Now I don't, it's a, it's a vegetable. 
not poison sumac, right? No, no. Okay. I, I still have an. I think it's Israeli. Israeli. It's a, <laughs> but it uh, came with hummus, and so it was um, a hard vegetable. Kind of tasted like a carrot, but I never had it before, and it was pretty interesting. That sounds fancy. That does yeah. not sound like that's in my wheelhouse. Well, my, <laughs> my favorite vegetable is in season right now. Asparagus. asparagus. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love me some asparagus. You know, we haven't gotten two hours this week, and I'll bet you we've got three-foot-long spears. I can't yeah. get my teenagers to pick my asparagus when they need to. You ever had that problem? I was going to say. Not yet. Yeah, mine's <laughs> not. Happen. Yeah, mine's not happen here, helping right now either. Maybe so. 10 years. When they, were, when they were before teenagers, they would pick it all the time, you know, but now it changes everything. Matt and Whitney, what's your all's, what's your all's favorite vegetables? I'd have to go with broccoli, I guess. I figured you'd say mac and cheese. Uh, that, that probably <laughs> is my favorite vegetable. If it's on the if it's on the vegetable, you can get it on the vegetable plate at Cracker Barrel, then it's considered a vegetable, right? right? Yeah, I, yeah. mine's probably <laughs> green beans. That's probably my favorite vegetable, especially when they're cooked in bacon grease and all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Daniel, back to the tomato. My favorite way to eat a tomato is to take the salt shaker to the garden with me. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I'm waiting for the first one. You know, and that's where I like to eat them is right there. A little warm, a little salt, and that's the best way. Just pour the salt to them and take any of the health benefits out of it, huh? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, I've, I've done that before. I've, I like them out of the garden, but I there's just something about uh, a tomato from your garden and slice it and put it on a BLT. Mm-hmm. It's just... Yeah, mm, that's just hard to beat. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, and I'm not doing an endorsement for a restaurant, but there's a place down in Sulphur Wells area and they've got t- sliced tomatoes and coleslaw. And that's the best way I like to eat tomatoes with really? some good sweet coleslaw. Oh, man, hmm. I've tried that at home and it, we've come close to replicating it, but it's that's a good that's a good combo. So do you do take a slice of tomato and then put coleslaw on top of it and eat it? Yeah. OK, I could get behind that. I could try that. I like it's a good, good coleslaw. It's a good mixture of flavors. Mm-hmm. Two of my least favorite things. Uh, well, and, and <laughs> yeah, coleslaw. I guess my next question would be, is it vinegar coleslaw or is it regular like mayo coleslaw? It's kind of, I think it's mayo. It's a little okay. sweet. See, I was going to say, I bet a good vinegar coleslaw <laughs> would be good too. Probably. Absolutely. I'm, I'm kind I'm of hungry. picky about my coleslaws. <laughs> it's making me hungry. Well, we can sit here and talk about food all day. Um probably ought to get back into gardening a little bit. So Robbie, since you've got a lot of experience with, with Horde, I know, uh, you know, me and Whitney, especially maybe a little more than Matt, you do get gardening questions from time mm-hmm. to time. Uh, but with what, I guess what's maybe one of the bigger problems or, uh, uh, things that people do wrong, uh, when establishing a garden. Going too big. Going too big. Well, that's a good one. I didn't think about that. Yeah. That was always our problem. Anytime we had a garden, it's that you're all gung ho when you when you start out, and then stuff starts coming in. You just let the weeds grow up and let it go. Yeah, going too big, um, um, not uh, buying too much to go in the garden that you can't take mm-hmm. care of. All you got to start small and kind of work your way into it. I'm now up to about uh, about a half acre of garden, and that's way too much. I spend too much time. That's a big garden. It is. I got, uh, but I do, we do a lot of canning. We just like it. We like to put it up. Um, it's, for me, it's nothing better than tomato juice in, in January or February. Mm-hmm. So, but we do that. 
this time of year, people trying to till too wet is a big problem. Can you fight that clotty soil the rest of the year? I got in on a piece of one of my strip gardens the other day and it looked good on top and it just doesn't drain well down to the middle. And, you know, I pulled up some, as, as I was tilling it, I, I pulled up some clods and I went on and put some sweet corn into it. I think it'll be fine, but it's just, you know, it's going to be cloudy all summer. I get several questions about fertilizing your, your garden. So, you know, what, you know, as a horde agent and as an ag agent, what are you going to tell folks when they come to you and say, what do I need to put on my garden? Soil test. Mm -hmm. Just find out what you got first. Because, mm -hmm. you know, I have run off across so many things. I remember back early on, I had a guy that he raised a garden every year and did a really good job with it. And all of a sudden he couldn't raise anything on it. And we got to talking and doing a soil test and finally pulled a soil. He finally pulled a soil test, brought it in. We had an 8.3 pH. Oh, wow. He had oh, been, man. he had been putting a foot of leaves on uh, oak leaves or whatever was in the yard on the garden every year. So he had driven it up and mm -hmm. it just wasn't sustaining life anymore. <laughs> so <laughs> right. little things like that really, it really, get you off balance. Mm -hmm. um, so testing, you know, every few years really on a garden is about all you need to do, but you need to have a baseline anyway mm -hmm. to figure out whether you put some lime in, whether you need to put some, a lot of times in our county, we're more apt to put in sulfur, a little sulfur to bring the pH back down than we are to put lime in. Right. It's I haven't seen that a whole lot in Larue County, but every now and then, especially some of these long guard, like, uh, you know, gardens that have been in there for a long time and they've really been amended mm -hmm. quite a bit. I've seen that every now and then, but a lot of times on our garden samples, they're never calling for any fertilizer. That's right. Like the few that I, that I look at, that's usually what I see because it's just years and years of triple 19, triple 19, yeah. triple 19. And phosphorus potassiums through the roof and all they might need is a little side dressing of uh, nitrogen mm -hmm. later on. And that's about it. They'll, yeah. they'll grow a crop. Yeah. That's ours too. Different if you're breaking a new piece of ground, you got to figure out what that is. But if it's a garden and you've been adding back to it every year, then it's probably going to be balanced pretty good. It might mm -hmm. be a little over balanced. Mm -hmm. Yep. So what are some things that you have planted in your garden at home right now, Robbie, just to kind of give us a baseline of where we should be at, what's too late and what's too early? Well, I have, um, in, on February 22nd, I planted lettuce um peas sweet peas um arugula and spinach those are all under little hot caps and then i did another planting of those i've also i've been harvesting lettuce for about a month now and we've got um let's see here we got onions are in we got about a thousand onions in i misordered some it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, lord it's a lot of onions <laughs> i thought it was one bundle but they sent two bundles each so i got a bunch of onions. Oh, <laughs> read the fine print folks it's uh, <laughs> and i've got uh, potatoes in i got five different varieties of potatoes just trying some different things um uh english peas are in uh sweet corn is in first crop uh we'll see how it does it's a little 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 bit early for me I mean, I don't generally put out sweet corn, but I had some, so I put it out. Um, oh, I've got, um, you know, I've got uh, garlic up and bulbing, starting to bulb right now, but that's put in in September. Mm -hmm. of last, you know, so it had a I planted some garlic this time. 
back oh, in September. Oh, we love our garlic. Yep. We love the garlic. At, uh, you know, if I had to, if I had a chance to think about your question, Daniel, on on favorite vegetable, it would be tomatoes. First thing come to mind. Garlic is a close second. We yeah, it seems like garlic. we put it on everything anyway. We, we, we it enhances everything. Um, what else we got in the garden? That's probably yeah. That's probably I got some shallots and some, some leeks and those kind of things. But that's that's all in that same family. But a lot of different stuff. I like different stuff. We can tell y'all eat fancy at the Smith household. <laughs> well, Matt, Matt, I can see Matt nodding his head, and he doesn't even know what you're talking about. He I know what a salad and a leaf is. Yeah, that's good. Sounds good. Well, I guess on on that note, you know, you've got a lot of different vegetables growing, but a lot of times I will get questions from folks on they're they're looking at a seed catalog and they want to know, well, what is going to work? You know, this this thing looks really cool, and I want to grow it but is it sufficient and will it grow in our area? And so is there some tips or anything you can give to people listening about what to look for in those, in those uh, magazines and those. We want to be a zone six. And if I remember correctly, we've got about 145 growing days Mm -hmm. in, in our area. So, you know, for example, a, a friend give me a red Brussels sprout the other day and it's 145 days. That's about as long as I'll forget about it by the time we get to that point. Yeah. Harvest. Uh, you know, you want to fit into our window. Um, you know, artichoke carts are a little tough. You got to really start them early, but we can do it. Mm-hmm. We've done it at UK. The best publications, and you all are familiar with this, is the Growing Vegetables in Kentucky. Uh, and it's got really good timelines on when you can, when you should start thinking about starting um, uh, plants indoors and, and putting things outdoors, you know, it's still not really good time to put tomatoes out yet. Right. Uh, they're a warm season crop. They love it hot. They love the soil hot. And when they just when they go in, we may be warm on top for a while, but that soil temperature is still pretty cold. It's just not supporting good growth. We're just not getting good vigorous growth, which keeps your disease pressure down. But I gotta have the first tomato, Robbie. Oh, I know. I understand. <laughs> but you're not supposed <laughs> to even think about it till after Derby Day, right? And yeah. And that, that the Kentucky guideline. Yes. Derby Day is Saturday, so Derby Day is Saturday. We're <laughs> right there in that window. Last year, I put out some on April twenty second. Y'all remember what happened after that? Yeah, we had a freeze. Had a freeze. <laughs> had two freezes. Yeah, I had them things covered up, and I had them out for a while. It's probably been out three weeks when we got that freeze. It was late in the middle of May, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had them covered up uh, every way to Sunday, and I got them through. But they were they were cat faced. The fruit was cat faced. You had disease issues in them. They just didn't do well the rest of the season. The later ones caught up and did more production by a long shot. All right. So some some non-horticulture people like myself, what do you mean by cat-faced? Because I uh, honestly don't yeah. have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> it's a zippering or, or a misformed fruit where you got okay. a, kind of a, a, a dent in there. But it usually starts from the, the stem all the way around to the base of it. And it'll deform. And it's those ugly tomatoes that taste really good mm-hmm. uh, early on. But uh, they don't sell well. Right. If you're into that side of it, there's all kinds of little things that can go wrong. You know, right now with rain, as much as we've had, uh, potatoes took about a month to come up this year. Mm-hmm. They're normally, you know, a couple of weeks. They're, they're, uh, they're slow in cold soil. And we are seeing that in corn too, right? Yep. On tomatoes. Mm-hmm. There's two diseases that I get the most calls about. Mm-hmm. And one of them's blossom in rot. Yeah. And, and the other one's early blight. 
Yeah. So if you were going to give uh, some information or some tips on how to prevent early blight or things we can do to prevent that disease pressure, what, what are some of the better things we can do for, to prevent that in our tomatoes? First thing on early blight is don't buy it. Don't buy it in. You see spots on those leaves, that's usually a pretty good sign. It's either early blight or septoria. So leave it, leave it alone. You want good, clean transplants when you bring them in. And uh, if you're willing and able, start with a protective fungicide even before you get them in the ground. You know, if you're able to do a protectant on them, let them set a few days, whatever the re-entry time is to reuse them, uh, and then put them in the ground um, or put them in the ground and then treat them uh, there, whichever way you can do it. But getting those early ones on are really important. A couple of things to consider is to keep, you never want to water you try to not water over top if you can. Mother Nature's going to do it for you. Uh, if we can water underneath with a drip tape or um, soaker hose or something, uh, and then mulch those to keep the water splash from coming back up onto the leaves, that really cuts out a lot of the disease pressure, cuts down the disease pressure on a lot of crops. Uh, and there's lots of ways to, to break up that uh, water splash back up onto the plant. Uh, as far as I mean, that's early blight, and there are some resistant varieties out there, uh, Mountain Fresh, Mountain Spring, some of those, they work pretty good. Um, but in a year like last year, it was really wet. They didn't, they didn't do very well either. Right. The, uh, now, you listed um, blossom end rot in as a disease, and we really don't consider that a disease. That's more of a cultural issue. Mm -hmm. And it's got a lot to do, I believe, with cold soil. Uh, because we don't see blossom end rot during the summer and we're not getting as much rain in the summer either. But we're, I think it's a, it's a mechanism. Well, we know it's a mechanism of calcium. Okay. We've always, we usually have plenty of calcium soil, but with a cold root system, those plants are not able to take up the calcium the way they should. And calcium is deposited last into the fruit, the end of the fruit that we see rot and we associate it with rot, but it's just really a structural breakdown of the cell walls on that fruit, the last thing on the plant. So, you know, you end up with, uh, you know, you got that most beautiful red shoulder and you're looking at it and you're waiting for it to ripen and you go out there and you flip it over and it's rotted on the bottom. The way we help remedy that is to keep a nice constant uh, uh, moisture level on the root system as we're growing through to try to limit it. But I tell you, it's a tough one to stop. It's just, it's tough to stop in those early, especially if we're trying to get plants out in mid to late April or late April to uh, first of May. It's just, it's cold on them. Another thing you mentioned there though, uh, mulching and, and watering, like you talked about to prevent blight would, would also help with the blossom end rot oh, because you're yes. keeping a more consistent moisture level uh, to the yeah. plants. So I, I think those are the two best things that anybody that's really wanting to make a, a big change to their garden is, is to mulch and water from below. I think those are the two best things you can do yeah, to, absolutely. to have a productive and um, somewhat disease, not disease free. You're going to have issues, but it really lowers that, that chance. Well, it really helps on peppers and everything else. Uh, all your <laughs> crops are good up. Like you can really do that with the lettuce bed, but you know, you can do that with a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. uh, things like potatoes usually come up and cover the ground uh, pretty good with a canopy and you don't have to worry so much about that. They kind of conserve their own. Um, but, um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very helpful to get that down there. Now you want to make sure you know what you're getting a hold of. That's something I've run into before. We use grass clippings from a yard that's been sprayed with uh, 2,4-D. 
Yeah, that's not it good. good on a tomato. It don't yeah. work. <laughs> no, I've uh, I've we, I've seen that one a few times. That's yeah. one thing we got to remember. It it can it can stick on those grass clippings and, and go into the soil. So I've got a little story about that. Uh huh. So back when we used to grow a garden, uh, my wife was looking for something to water some tomatoes with when it got really hot in the summer. Found my chemical measuring cup that I'd been measuring out crossbow for the spot sprayer with. And it had even been rinsed a time or, you know, you rinse it out when you're filling the spot sprayer and she goes and waters her tomatoes with it and that smoked some tomatoes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I imagine it did. It does not take much. Nope. <laughs> they go ugly fast. Wow. Like and then you also have some some of our cattle farmers, they'll use products like Milestone mm-hmm. or uh, I think Grazon is one yep. that's gaining in yes. popularity. And that those products can can stay in the manure for yeah, a little while. So it's another good thing to remember if you're using some manure mm-hmm. from, from your farm or from somebody else's farm, you might want to ask if they've been spraying. Uh, any yep. of those products uh, before you apply it to the garden. Generally, if you put it on in the fall, you might be all right, but it's still, it's kind of risky. It can stick around for a little while. The other thing you consider is I like to use wood chips. I have uh, some guys drop wood chips for me. I, I let them set for a long time, a year probably before I use them. Uh, if you use fresh and, and you don't know where that, if you know the whole tree that was uh, chipped up, what I'm getting at is um, on tomatoes, especially if you use something that's got uh, walnut in there, you're gonna, you're not gonna have a crop. Mm-hmm. Right. The juggling of the walnut will just wipe them out quickly. So kind of know your source of what you're mulching, and you can, you know, you can use. I've I've used uh, cardboard before, just laid down the road and with something on top of it to hold it down, or paper, or uh, just I, a lot of folks now. My older gardeners are using uh, uh, the same product we use under rock, uh, the geotextile. Oh. Mm-hmm. And yeah. using it back mm-hmm. on the garden year after year and just punching the holes where they want to go. Now that's can build up some disease issues, but you know, it works pretty good for a long time. I have a bug question. Uh-oh. Okay. I, so right now I know that a lot of people are getting ready to plant potatoes or have just planted potatoes. And in my area, the Colorado potato beetle is one that really wreaks havoc. So do you have any advice on preventing those? or managing those? Oh, you can't prevent them. I tell you, you can treat them. <laughs> Spinosa tends to work pretty good with them. I think it's uh, Captain Jack's dead bug brew. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Spinosa, it does work pretty good. I can tell you a story on that. I planted a garden at our farmstead that hadn't had a garden in probably 40 years. And it's, it's not within a half a mile of another homestead. They're just not around. I put potatoes down there. And I kid you not, they were chewing the, the potato bugs found them and was chewing the tops off of them as they come through the ground. Mm-hmm. Now, where'd they come from? I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> it's just fascinating to me how they find something like that. I assume they're feeding on other things around, other native plants or, or weeds or so forth, and they discovered my potatoes. But uh, Dennis Morgan's put me on that spinosad, and it's worked really well to help control potato bugs. Mm-hmm. Robbie, we always ask uh, fellow agents that we have on the show. Mm-hmm. If, you know, we it, it's often said, "Oh, if I could write a book, it'd been a, you know, it'd be a novel mm-hmm. about all my experiences as an agent." So, we would like to see if you have any funny or uh, comical stories to share about maybe an experience you've had as a as an agriculture extension agent or horde agent, either one. I tell you, you're right. It's um, 
that's what I like about this job is that every day's a little different and you, you, you have some pretty neat experiences and you learn. I learn from my, my uh, class a lot of times, you know, I do a master gardener program and in one year, uh, one of my master gardeners taught me beekeeping over a few years and he was my beekeeping mentor. So now I'm in the beekeeping business and, uh, and this was probably five years into the job and call come into the office that they had a swarm. And I said, oh, okay. So I kept my head, my swarm stuff here. I said, Ron, you want to go with me? I'm like, I think this swarm is just right over the road here. And, and Ron's a big fella and he's retired on us now. And, and, and um, he liked to like to smoke his cigarettes back then. And so I, I took him with me and uh, there, we, we got to the house there and looked back there and oh, it's a nice swarm in the bottom of a, a shrub. So I said, Ron, these guys are just as docile as they can be when they're on a swarm like this. And I said, if, if you'll hold that limb back there, I'll get in there and I'll get them out. Well, he gets a, he's oh, okay. Okay. So he's got, got a cigarette in he's puffing <laughs> smoke out and he's got that limb backed up and I'm down there working on them. And I failed to ask one question of the homeowner. How long has those bees been there? <laughs> because that's important yeah. when they're there for a few days, they get pretty mean. <laughs> well, they, <laughs> They come after me. I took off running, left Ron in the bush, holding the hem back. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do. Oh, my God. He was busted at me for months after that. that I, I imagine he did. I abandoned him. I said, you were safe. You had all that smoke around you. They weren't going to bother you. <laughs> but I got lit up. He didn't get lit up, fortunately. So uh, we, I learned a lesson there. Ask more questions. You know, and, and it sounds like another lesson is to not run. If if you got lit up and, and Ron <laughs> I got lit up, I left Ron there on his own. <laughs> I thank you for going later. <laughs> it was a fun day. He didn't go back with me again, and I went. I bet he didn't. I've got one more uh, random question before we go. Uh-huh. How many distilleries are in Nelson County? It seems like you all build like three a year anymore. Oh, geez. I, I don't know if I can keep up with it now. We've got, I think it's seven though. It's, um, you can probably name them. Let's see. Willits, Heaven Hill, um, Barstown Bourbon, Barton's, Lux Row, and um, hmm, there's got to be another one or two. Dance <laughs> or the Log Steel. Is that in? Yeah, they're one. building uh, yeah, they're... the, the log steel and also uh, the one out of Hillbilly Heaven. I just lost their names. I saw this. I saw their sign earlier. Oh yeah, I can't think of it either. Yeah, yeah, I know preservation distillery. Yeah, preservation. That's it. Uh, yeah, and then they're supposed to be building uh, Stoley's. Uh, Stoley Group is supposed to be building one on the quarry over there. I don't know if that's still happening or not, but yeah, we we've, we've got a lot of. I see a lot of slop trucks. <laughs> a lot of slop trucks yeah i know we have a lot of that whole dar counties and a lot of corn goes from this area to to that part of the world anymore too so yes, yes indeed uh, you know and then right across do y'all have it y'all have a distillery too now matt right yep yeah. yep but boundary oak they're bouncing popping up everywhere yep yep popping up everywhere and we got a brewery now too oh i didn't know that yeah scout and scholar Okay. Pretty good. It, uh, of course, they all have byproducts, so we're looking for places for the grains to go from mm-hmm. the distillery, from the brewery. Yep. Yeah. 
All right, Robbie. Well, I think that about wraps up our time today. Thanks again for coming on with us. All right. Appreciate it. Appreciate Robbie coming on and joining us and talking gardening with us. I know, I guess uh, I tilled my garden up a few weeks ago and now it's, it's actually full of weeds again. <laughs> it's was uh, it too wet when you tilled it. <laughs> no, it was good. It was good conditions, but it just, uh, I need to, I'm probably going to have to hit it again or maybe spray some roundup because it's, it's mm-hmm. full of grass. I could see a little grass germinating everywhere in there. It's probably crab grass, but anyway, I need to, I need to do a little work on it before I get in there and plant it. Are y'all going to grow a garden this year? No. Our family is, yeah, we always, where we live now, we don't, we have a spot, we can do it, but I just don't have time to do it. So I kind of mooch off my sister and my mother-in-law. And so we help them plant and then we help can when it comes time to it. But they planted um, onions and potatoes and my grandfather always has a lettuce bed. So, I mean, we're, we're rocking and rolling right now with what we've got planted. That's my plan. Mooch off the sister-in-law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they grow a big garden, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And there's only one. two of them. So yeah, we've got one. It's not, it's not a big garden. It's mainly just because I like to mess with it and gives us some, a few things mm-hmm. that we can cook with right out the back door. Mm-hmm. Generally it's a, it's a lot easier for me if I just buy it at the farmer's market. <laughs> yeah, to, It's good. And, yeah. and it saves me a lot of, a lot of work, probably cheaper. I, you're probably I'm right. The same way too. <laughs> yeah. We, we get a lot of buyers from our local farmer's market, which is going to be at our, we're moving it to our extension office this year. So that'll be, it'll be a whole lot easier for me to get it. <laughs> and then uh, actually, if people are wanting to buy plants, I know that, you know, a lot of around here locally, we've got some nurseries and stuff that sell varieties that are, that do really well here in the area. So I know a lot of people like to, they may wait until they, instead of doing it from seed, they can buy transplants after it warms up a little bit. And so I've, you know, we've got a lot of local folks around here that do that as well. Good point. Yep. So I, I'm not really having much luck thinking about country songs and vegetables and gardening. So I've got one. Well, and this, this may tie into what you're about to say. Okay. But I don't think Kale's going to have it. The VeggieTales theme song. Yeah. I thought about that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, VeggieTales. I grew up on some VeggieTales when I was when I was yep. a young chap. Where's yep. my hairbrush? Yeah. My cheeseburger. Yeah. Yeah. Do you but, sing the Where's My Hairbrush song now? I have. Whenever I, <laughs> whenever, but it's not what I'm looking for. It's like when my daughter's looking for her hairbrush because I don't need a hairbrush anymore. Well, uh, is it Larry the Cucumber? That's who sings it, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. He didn't yeah. need a hairbrush so. either. His head looked about like yours did. Yeah, it so. did. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. But speaking of VeggieTales and kids, so maybe we can talk about country songs that our kids like. Uh-huh. And there's one song in particular, and I had to thank uh, Kale for playing this because this is where they first picked it up at. It was on Abe 93.7 one morning on our way to school. Elvira oh, <laughs> by the yes. Oak Ridge Boys has Classic. to be the mm-hmm. number Bop-a-boom, one. Bop-a-bow-wow. Mm-hmm. The number I have a number one kid's song. And I don't know why. Like, I don't know why they like, I guess it's those noises that you make. Uh-huh. But my kids love it. And my son, that's all he wants to do is, Daddy, play Elvira. Daddy, play Elvira. As soon as we get in the truck. So I have a story about that. That song in particular, that was the year that our bringing back 
baseball again, I'm sorry, but the year that our boys played in the state tournament, our high school boys, they sang that song after or before every game. That was their theme song. And all the boys would sing it before they would start uh, the game. And I guess it started early and they kept winning so they couldn't stop doing it. And so now, you know, anytime I hear that song, I always have that connotation. But my kids were the same way. They were like, I love that song. That's the first time they'd heard it. My kids listen to a lot of different country songs. They don't really have a favorite at the moment, I don't believe. What about Andalina, Matt? She doesn't really. She's not much of a country music fan. Well, y'all didn't contribute much to this conversation. Well, I I will say, but see, a lot of, uh, you know, we also listen to deep tracks, too. So, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we listen to may not necessarily be on the radio. Mm -hmm. If Elmo or Elsa don't sing it, then she's not happy. Really? Man. What are y'all exposing your? You need to well, get your kids some country music. See, my kids actually they like they like Wagon Wheel. They actually yes. like that song. My daughter yes. knows the words Wagon version? Wheel. Mm-hmm. The real version. The real version. Old Crow Medicine Show. The mm-hmm. only okay. version that exists. <laughs> now, when my kid was little, Alan Jackson was a big hit in our family, and Dwight Yoakam. He he liked he really liked him some Dwight Yoakam. He would around and put his little cowboy hat on and strum his little guitar and he'd sing whatever whatever Dwight Yoakam song guitars, came to Guitars, Cadillacs, and yes, that music. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, enough, enough country music talk. What, uh, Whitney, I think you had a program coming up this mm-hmm. week? Well, it's this weekend. It's our annual plant fair. Master Gardeners put on a plant fair every year and they didn't get to do it last year, so they're doubling up this year. And it's going to be all day on Saturday, rain or shine. It's usually always Derby Day weekend. So go get your flowers and then plant them and be ready for Derby. And there's going to be a lot of vendors there Saturday, May 1st. And then I think the Hardin County Plant Fair is mm-hmm. May May 15th. Two yep. weekends. So yeah. a few weeks. Yep. yep. Here at the office. First one we've had at this office. They tried to have one last year, but I don't think they can do it. No. But yeah, that's that's what I've got going on. Had a successful fencing school, and if anybody needs information on that and didn't get to make it, they can holler at me. But we'll have some more educational sessions coming up here pretty soon. Now that we're hopefully more outside, because we can do a little bit more outside now these days that it's warming up. Daniel, are you all um, in in Hardin County too, Matt? Do you all have uh, are y'all gearing up for farmers markets this year? Ours has already started. Yeah, yeah, Hardin okay. County started a few weeks back, and uh, we've had some meetings, and we've got a lot of interest in the farmers market this year. So we're we're hoping to have maybe eight or nine vendors uh, this okay. year at our farmers market, which is good. We had that a couple years ago, but COVID hit and knocked that back quite a bit. But we're uh, gearing up to be to be pretty good so if you're somebody out there listening that has an interest in selling at the farmer's market give us a call at the extension office um here in larue county 270-358-3401 we can get you signed up um i know we always take senior farmer's market vouchers and we've had a bunch of our vendors get trained for that in the last couple weeks Mm -hmm. Um, so if you're a vendor interested in that by the time you hear this you may be a little too late for that but we still take you on as a vendor and there's still i think a lot of interest in from the community of supporting uh, farmers yeah. markets. I think uh, maybe that could be a good side effect that we'll see post post COVID mm-hmm. that people come out and support their their local their local producers. Yeah, that's uh, we're ours is gearing up this year as well, and we're moving locations actually. Since we do have the new office, we're going to set up out in front on sixty two. There's a lot of traffic out there, and I'm like you. I've got 
six or seven vendors that are really interested this year. And so we're going to have them trained and ready to go. But ours probably won't be ready until the end of May, first part of June. But I'm yeah, excited. That's when we start too, about the second, mm-hmm. second week of June. It's just yeah. when everything – it's hard to – there's not a whole lot of stuff that's in season until about that time of year. So. Right, right. All right, before we wrap up today, uh, like always, we want to be sure to encourage you, if you're listening on the podcast, go in and subscribe. Uh, even if you're listening on the radio, maybe go ahead and, and subscribe on a Apple podcast or wherever you get your podcast listening that way. Yeah, because if, if you miss us on the radio, you yeah, can catch us on the podcast. You can catch us right mm-hmm. there. So, uh, okay. and Of course, continue to uh, tune in on Abe 93.7 Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. sharp. Uh think we just passed up a year on the radio there here a couple weeks ago. So yeah. Uh, we kind of missed exciting. that anniversary. But, but anyway, if you're uh if you're subscribed on iTunes, uh one thing we'd like to ask you to do, go in and, and leave us a review, hopefully a good one. A five star <laughs> would be ideal. Uh, if it's a one star, just keep your opinion to yourself. No, just joking. <laughs> uh, leave us a review there if you're subscribed. That'll uh, help in the old algor- algorithm, I guess, and uh, puts us out in front of some more people. So lets us get out there and, and reach some more people and pop up in some sh- some searches a little quicker, a little earlier. So uh, be sure to go on and, and review and rate and let us know if we're doing a good job, if we're doing a poor job let us know too but yeah maybe just let us know directly instead of yeah. to the whole world <laughs> well with that being said i guess we can get off here and go plant our garden all right a little wet for that today <laughs> yeah it'll, it'll dry up <laughs> go, go right. plant our garden and bet on some horses yep. yep see y'all next week all right see y'all next see week you.